You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Wednesday, Dan and the Dan S. Dan Patrick Show. We'll spend some time with Meta World Peace, former NBA player. He called like four minutes ago, and I went, wait, he's supposed to be on at about 25 after. He was just checking in. Meta World Peace will join us coming up. I'm sure he's got some Michael Jordan stories for us. More phone calls coming up. We stumbled upon, well... McLovin was misled by somebody affiliated with the chat row that there was a big discussion debate about the Beatles being overrated. And of course, I fell for it. Then I found out that the chat row was not having this heated debate about the Beatles being overrated. But we did fill up some time and got some great phone calls and people called McLovin an idiot. So, yeah, proved to be successful. Yes, Paul. We have a new poll question based Mm. off today's show. Mm. It's it's a toughie. This is for you and for us and for the listeners. If you could have only one in studio for an hour and you'll never get the other one, Paul McCartney or Michael Jordan? So you pick one. Paul McCartney. Quick answer. Yeah, Paul McCartney. Because you've interviewed Jordan before? Yeah. I mean, I don't know what Jordan's going to tell me that he hasn't told us in the documentary. And I I am curious, does he put to rest the gambling I got the, my questions are going to be, you know, when he left basketball, will we get those answers? How deep was he into gambling? Did he ever bet on basketball? Did he ever bet on himself in a basketball game? Now, he's never been accused of that. But when you start to think about what would get him suspended, let's say he was suspended by the commissioner. Those are the rumors. They've been out there for a long time. What would it take for the commissioner of the NBA to say to Michael Jordan at the peak of his career, peak of his powers, I'm going to sit you down for 18 months. It can't be based off of losing $100,000 playing golf. Now, associating with criminals that you're gambling with in card games, I don't think that's going to get you suspended for 18 months. Let, you know, just... Apply logic. I know it's rare in this sports world that we apply logic. I try to when I can. If I'm the commissioner, what would it take for me, if I was going to suspend him, what would it take? The only thing I can think of is if Michael bet on basketball and the commissioner took this to his grave, if there was a story, we'll never know. Michael, I don't know how much they address it coming up. You know, that he would gamble. Uh, I have a friend who's a golf pro in Vegas, and he said guys would wait for Jordan to come to town. Professional golf gamblers, where you don't get to touch your ball, after you tee off, you don't touch your ball at all until it goes into the cup. They would wait. Guys would be lined up to want to play Michael because he said he was a four, and they would take six figures off of him. True. No, the true story. But that doesn't make Michael, I mean, he's losing money. But in his world, what he's losing is if we lose $100 and he loses $100,000, does that mean that the commissioner is going to go, hey, you got to stop gambling? How bad was his gambling? He said he had a competitive problem. No, that's a gambling problem. That's what Pete Rose had. Pete Rose had a competition problem as well, and it's called gambling. You dress it up and say, oh, he's so competitive. Pete Rose had to have money on everything. Competition problem. No, 
It's a gambling problem. Now, you can say it's a gambling problem for those who don't have the money to cover their bets. Now, if it's golf, it's cards, and you can afford it. I, I've been in Tahoe where I've seen some big-time athletes be playing $50,000 hands of blackjack. And a couple of them at the same time. They had a special room there that they could go in and it was, you know, high stakes gambling. I don't know what would have gotten Michael suspended, but if he did, that's the only thing I could possibly think of. And maybe it's just Michael was burnout. Maybe Michael just said, I, I'm going to take a break here. I'm going to go play baseball. Okay. You know, we were shocked when it happened. I, you know, I still, when I think about it, it's like he would stop and try to play baseball to honor his father and maybe get off the, you know, the carousel here. Okay. But I have to accept it. It's like Isaiah Thomas and the the dream team. And Michael didn't ask, you know, didn't say, you know, know, I don't want Isaiah on the team. Okay. I I have to accept it. I don't think it's true, but, but I have to accept it. I don't know if he's going to change anybody's opinion on anything about him because he wasn't the best teammate. Uh, he was, he was a rough opponent, you know, but we accept it with Michael with other athletes. We would never accept this. We pick and choose. And that's where we're hypocritical. Like Michael wasn't a great teammate. He didn't stand up for Scotty with his contract. You know, he punched a couple of his teammates. On the court, he won. But off the court, or who he is as a person, I I think that's still up for debate of how you view Michael. Jordan, no longer friends with Charles Barkley. They were friends for 20 years. And what Charles did, and he came on their show, and he critiqued Michael as an owner. Michael Jordan has not spoken to him since then. He'll hold a grudge. He's competitive. He wants to win. I don't know if anybody has a different opinion on Jordan when this is all said and done. I don't. Because I think you're going to look at him and say, all right, that's who he was in that time frame. You know, I accept it. That's who he was. And probably that's who he still is. But it, it, we, we're hypocritical if, um, if LeBron did any of this stuff. Any of it. Think about it. LeBron's out gambling. He's in Atlantic City the night before a game. He's associating with felons, guys with criminal records. He punched one of his team. I mean, come on. The debate is not a debate about Jordan and LeBron. It's not. But we pick on LeBron for the smallest things. Where Michael, man, ultimate competitor. Man, he's so competitive, he punched his own teammate. You got to love that. Hey, man, that guy was out gambling and he could still come back and drop 40 on like we we created this like it's crazy uh what did lebron do did you see where he had taco tuesday and he did that video with his family his wife and kids at home what is he doing spending time with his family yes get out go gamble don't you have a teammate to punch like it's just it's it's, it's crazy. It is. Can you imagine if a player in the NBA now, let's say James Harden, punched out a teammate? We'd say, "What have you done to tell him to do this? What? You, when, how many titles have you won? You'd be crushed. Winning solves everything. No, it does. And look, we're all fascinated with this. Uh, and I was watching Jordan do this, 
to be able to interview him. Uh, it was one of the, you know, one of the great moments of my broadcasting career. I got to cover, you know, the greatest basketball player playing the greatest basketball of his life and got to see that up close and personal. I don't know him as a person. I've heard stories about him. I don't socialize, haven't socialized with him. I just admire from afar what he was able to do. But I do think we give him the ultimate hall pass because he won. Because if he didn't win, let's say he won two titles and acted this way, we would have a different opinion of Michael Jordan. And people are so nervous to say anything negative about Michael. They are. Even now. Like they're, they're worried, you know, Barkley gave you an honest assessment of Michael, the owner. Now, did he go all in on him and maybe, you know, didn't leave himself some wiggle room that Mike might go, Hey, you know, I get it, but he's up here. Or do you have to tell people that I'm not a, a good owner? Charles job, give an opinion, but it cost him. You know, they're not friends anymore. So, uh, but I look, I look forward to the next uh, two episodes where we're going to look at those who played with Jordan and those who played against Jordan and how he was. You're not going to be surprised when this is all said and done. I think this will reinforce the mythology around Michael Jordan because we didn't have social media. He would be available right in front of you before and after a game, but that was it. Now these players are so accessible. You know everything about them. You see all their comments. You get on Twitter. You get, that's why we move on quickly. Like Golden State Warriors, if they played in the 90s, they would be loved. Now I'm talking about the original crew, not when they brought in Durant. We would be saying, oh my God, unbelievable, because we wouldn't get tired of them. Jordan now, we would get tired of Jordan, believe it or not. And maybe his greatness wouldn't be as great as it was because it was back in the 90s. It's fascinating. It is fascinating to hear a new audience, new generation look at this. And, and understand the competitive nature of this guy. He put out the documentary the day he agreed the day LeBron won his title in Cleveland. That is, I mean, when you talk about competition, <laughs> I mean... Mike can't play anymore, but he can play with your mind. And he's got the vault. So he had the ultimate weapon. He had the ultimate, he had the ultimate hand. You're, this is a card player? He put down a royal flush. He went, oh, I'm sorry. LeBron's starting to sneak up there. People think he might be as good as me. Mm, how about this? How about we drop this on you? How about 10, 10 part here? How about 10 hours on me? I know Ken Burns spent nine hours on the Civil War, but hey, this is more important. My documentary's got 10 episodes here. Answer all the questions, see the footage, have everybody say nice things about me. All orchestrated, in my opinion, and brilliantly done. But that's what happens. Michael was going to find a way to beat you. And he just put away any notion that LeBron can be ever as good as him. Not going to happen. Uh, let me get a couple of phone calls. MetaWorld Peace will join us coming up here. Oh, by the way, uh, story is now starting to circulate that you know Patrick Ewing was on yesterday, and he told a story he never told before. He said somebody broke into his home in New York, and uh, do we have uh, Patrick talking about that from uh, yesterday's show? Uh, here's Patrick Ewing talking about what did his. You keep okay. His what medals did you keep being from sold. the Dream Team. Um. 
I well, obviously my metal. Yeah. You know, I have my metal. Um, I had I have the shoe, but I've moved so many times. I, I can't find it. It it's, it's, I have the metal, but uh, it's funny because I had lost my metal because you know it was '92 and I moved so many times. I've lost. I, I couldn't find both of my gold medals. Oh boy. And. Um, you know, I was able to uh, to get it back. And I think my my house got broken in New York uh, at one point. And I think they they stole they stole my medal. So I was able to uh, I called the Jerry Colangelo, and it was great uh, to be able to you know get me uh, two replacement medals. So I have my medals and I have my uniform. And apart from that, I think everything is in storage somewhere. Had you ever talked about losing your medals? Somebody stealing your medals before? I had not heard that. No, this is the first time. And oh, Jerry, Jerry, you know, Jerry, I spoke to because I had to get, uh, you know, uh, replacement medals. Oh, but yeah, man. this is the first time that I, I really spoke about it. Yeah, so that's Patrick Ewing from yesterday, and the story's starting to be picked up by other websites. There, Paulie is bound and determined to find the person or persons who stole these these gold medals from uh, Patrick Ewing. The word's out. Yeah. The word is out. Yeah. I came in, I said to Paulie, any luck in finding those guys? And he goes, nope, not yet. <laughs> like, Paulie is, he's, he's serious here. Yeah, I, I hope you don't think this is some radio bit. No, 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 no. We, no. I know you well enough. We posted a reward. I'm thinking about taking a three-day weekend, maybe a four-day weekend over Memorial Day and really hitting the trail. This is, uh, this is CSI. CSI stuff right here. You know, I, I also use this analogy when it comes to uh, Michael Jordan. Like Babe Ruth. Like if Babe Ruth did what he did back then and he did it now, you know, where you're batting 340 and, you know, hitting 50 home runs, but, you know, your, your uh, diet is hot dogs, women, and beer. You know, it's, it's a cute story. Like, oh, the Babe, man, he's chasing women. He's uh, out drinking. He's, uh, we accept that, right? Like, we're okay with that. You're winning. You're hitting 50 home runs. Will Chamberlain didn't go to shoot-arounds. All the, all the women in his life, did he take winning seriously? You know, we're like, ah, Wilt, man, he got out. He got after it. Babe got after it. Today's athlete, you don't get any room. There's no wiggle room there. Like, did you see LeBron got criticized for inserting himself in the Jordan documentary because he said, I almost cried when I saw Michael win his first title. So <laughs> LeBron got criticized for saying, I almost cried watching Jordan after he won his first title. Yeah, Paul. Jordan never cried yeah, when you win your title. Well, Jordan did cry. He called ESPN and yeah, had a yeah. documentary made. No, Jordan cried out loud. Hey, let's get that documentary done. Open the vault there. Get get Geraldo to, to open my vault and get that uh, video out. Gosh. Uh, a couple of phone calls here. Dino in New York. Hi, Dino. What do you have for me today? Hey, Dan. How you doing? Good, sir. Uh, regarding MJ, I'll quote the great John Madden, winning is the great deodorant. Yep. Um, I wanted to touch on the music for a second. Oh. Uh, I want your your take on uh, the great Pete Townsend. I think he's a little underrated in this topic. Uh, very innovative with the use of synthesizers and being the first with rock opera, something that could be played in concert as a hard rock concert and then also be adapted to play with the london philharmonic orchestra is just astounding to me and they're they're like epic pieces of music oh i think townsend's brilliant you know even his solo album 
uh, you know, he did a couple of rock operas. You know, not necessarily, you know, Quadrophenia, okay, he did it. I, it wasn't something I really loved. Yeah, see. Yeah, I think the words rock opera count against him. <laughs> <laughs> well, it felt like Pink Floyd. That actually goes as a strike in the negative column. Yeah, Jumbo like, Shrimp. Rock opera, I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Well, Pink Floyd did sort of a rock opera. You know, they had their their uh, anthemic, you know, albums that, you know, when they did Dark Side of the Moon or they did Animal, like that's sort of a rock opera theme type feel to it. But uh, no, I'm a big Pete Townsend fan. Uh, when I saw him at Rupp Arena and we got to meet him backstage and he had a cast on his right hand and it was just shredded. So after the show, we get to see him. Kenny Jones, I think, was the name of the drummer and uh, John Entwistle. We didn't meet Roger Daltrey, but Townsend came out and his the cast on his right hand was shredded and his fingers were all bloody from playing and I went now that is badass right there that's rock and roll and I don't know why he had the cast on I did he just had a cast on and it looked like you could have just taken a piece of scissors and clipped it off but uh that's one of those moments that just stay with you I mean it's not quite green day but it's pretty close to it Seton well you don't like, understand the complexities I of, don't of green day especially Nimrod and and <laughs> Dookie, I got to stay in my lane here. Yes, McLovin, <laughs> stay in my lane. You've told this story before, but you had tickets to the concert where yes, people died, right? In Cincinnati. That's amazing. Yep, yep. Had, had a ticket. I kept that ticket, and, and we didn't go in. I kept that ticket. I don't know where it went. You know, I had it in my mom's house, but I had the actual ticket to that night uh, when those 11 people died in Cincinnati. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, Meta World Peace, more phone calls coming up as well. And are we going to go with the poll question? We could have Michael Jordan or Paul McCartney in studio. It's up on danpatrick.com. Vote away. Well, do you guys agree with me? Would you want McCartney or you want Michael Jordan in here? Yeah, McLevin. I think McCartney is a little more accessible. He seems, didn't he do Stern recently? He's on there. Yeah, he's on there a few times. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, I feel like Jordan's so rare that you might, I'd like to see you sit for an hour with Jordan. All right. Yeah, Paul. I'm with McLovin. I've heard a lot of Paul McCartney interviews over the past 15 years. I think you are going to get more out of Jordan, a lot more than the average interviewer, if you know what I mean. Well, I would get more, but I would, I would enjoy being around Paul. I would, I, you know, we would enjoy you getting more out of Jordan, yeah, I who's, know. who's got, uh, been a rock for the past thirty years. And he never talks, and he says usually says very little when he does. Yeah, even this documentary, it's it's all him. You would you would swing for the fences because you know it's one hour, one time. What about you, Fritzy? Definitely Jordan. All right. I'm not a huge Beatles person, but regardless, I'm, I agree with the other guys. What you could possibly get out of MJ after all these years of trying to get him on recently, that would be a must listen, you and MJ. All right. So where do we stand with getting Jordan on <laughs> and McCartney? Seton, who do you want to hear? Seton? Oh, sorry. Did you call on me? Yes. Oh, sorry. It was, yes. It was, I, didn't, I wasn't getting any audio. Oh. <laughs> uh, I would go with McCartney. Okay. Um, because... I think I don't think that there's as much scandal there. Maybe I'm being naive, but I don't think that there's as much scandal there with Jordan as people think. I think ultimately that story is going to be disappointing. Oh, I don't think I'm going to get anything about gambling or you know, 
I, yeah. I, I, but I do think that there would be fun stories that he would tell. Yeah, Paul. Fritzy's going to book Jenny McCarthy and Michael B. Jordan for tomorrow's That's show. That's okay. That's the, the best I could do. Shoehorn that in. With, work with me. I'll, I'll take it, Todd. If you say, we'll I got Jordan and McCartney on the show tomorrow, I'm, I'm okay. Or Jordan and <laughs> McCarthy. So Jenny McCarthy. It's close enough, right? Yeah, it is. All right. All right, 21 after the hour. Meta World Peace will join us coming up. Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. He's Ron Artest. He's also Meta World Peace. Meta World Peace joining us on behalf of X versus X Sports, a platform bringing together sports professionals, players, and enthusiasts, and uh, facilities the uh, building of offline and online sports communities. Also, Meta has a book, No Malice, My Life in Basketball, available online and wherever books are sold. Meta World Peace, who was, I believe, drafted by the Bulls the year after Michael Jordan retired. Meta, how are you today? I'm doing great. You know, thank you for, you know, plugging and always supported. It's uh, much appreciated. Uh, today, you know, it's going well. You know, we are uh, trying to get over COVID-19. Now, what was it like that you go to the Bulls right after Jordan decides that he's going to retire? What was that feeling like that you come to town and then Mike's not even going to be there? You know, it was a little, it was it was an honor, right, to be drafted by the Bulls. Uh, I know everything about the Bulls as a kid. They were my favorite team, very similar to how people love Kobe, how people love LeBron, you know, uh, and you don't really get it until you take a step back and you watch the last dance. It's like, oh, wow, I really love, you know, the Bulls, and I felt honored to be drafted uh, and, to the Bulls. And then you played against – he went to the Wizards. I don't know how many times you played against him, but – I think uh, he probably had close to 30 on you guys when you played against him. How many times did you face Jordan? I faced Jordan in the summertime. You know, I love Jordan, a great player. Then I also faced him right when he came back, and he was averaging 25 that year. So I faced a really good older Michael Jordan, and then I faced a declining older Michael Jordan. I think the next year his uh, productivity went down, but the first year he came back, he was playing amazing. What was it like to guard him? It was amazing because he was still able to score. He averaged 25 points, you know, the, the first year he came back. And, I mean, anybody that's averaging 25 points is going to be a problem. And it wasn't, it wasn't easy. He could score the ball. Did he talk? You know, I, I mean, Jordan talked. Uh, I, I never got in any trash talking with Jordan. The only – the closest things Jordan's ever said to me was and when I was 19 years old and we were playing basketball, he was saying – uh. Uh, hey, come back and play, you know, in the summer times. Oh, wow. And because I competed against him so hard, and that was an honor, you know, to continue to get back invited. Uh, he really – and wanted me to guard him also. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was great. Uh, how did you break his ribs? It was an accident, you know. So he was uh, – for me, when you let Jordy get the ball, he's going to score. And the only way you can keep him from scoring is if you don't let him get the ball. So I was denying him. And I went, and my left hand went over his left shoulder or his left arm. My right arm was positioned to move him out the way and, and gain position. His left arm had me locked. I remember the play clear as day because he's like my favorite players. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and then the referee called the offensive foul 
on Jordan because he was holding and I was just trying to fight to get in front. It was, it was summertime. It was an open run uh, with referees and it was great. But, you know, unfortunately, I, you know, I broke his ribs and I felt like he was going to average 35 that year because he was playing so well. People didn't really see what I saw. But he came back after three months of just taking a break and he averaged 25. And he's just really amazing. How many would he average in today's, given today's rules where there's no hand check in here, everything's spread, spread open here? Meta, what's Jordan average? Peak Jordan, 1991-92, what's Jordan average today? Well, I, I would say about the same. I, I'm not going to say it's going to be any better because, you know, I, I think it would be about the same. Maybe, you know, he, he averaged 28 as a rookie. Nobody's averaging 28 as a rookie, right? So he would, he would, he would probably have done the same thing. Yeah, but I think everything is spread open. Uh, you know, everybody's on the perimeter, and Mike loved that 15 to 18-foot jumper, and he could take you to the hoop. I, he's averaging 40 a game. Meta. I, I just well, if you can't touch him uh, absolutely because he's so fundamentally sound. He's always on balance, so it's really tough to guard. But I can't see him. You know, James Harden is averaging what thirty eight right now. Yeah, but Mike would be better than James Harden. Well, um, defensively, yeah, but thirty eight is thirty eight, right? 38. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Mike averaged that one. Didn't he average thirty seven point one one year? I think he averaged that, but I don't think he did. What, I don't think he had to average thirty-eight. <laughs> he's oh, he's going to average four. There's nobody at the rim to stop him. Who were the great rim protectors? The Lopez yeah, it's brothers. It, it, it's true because while well, the rim protection is coming back, it was we all know American Bigs was not producing over the last like maybe five years, but now rim protection is coming back. But you're right. I think Jordan. It's just hard to say because you can't really see it. But, yeah, somewhere around 35 to 40. What's the difference of guarding Jordan and guarding Kobe? They're very similar. Jordan's just uh, – I would say Kobe's more of a modern-day Jordan, right? And a Jordan's probably a, a more polished Dr. J, you know? Um, and it's a very, very similar Jordan. is more on balance, you know, than Kobe was. But they both were very effective. As we know, they played the same exact way. He's Meta World Peace joining us on the program. Uh, tell me, if you approached Kobe about winning a title together, but you weren't on the Lakers when you approached Kobe about winning a title. Do I have that story right? The story is correct. Well, it wasn't about winning the title, <laughs> but I did approach him. So after they went, uh, they lost in 2008 to Boston Celtics, I went to that game because – I wanted to get some experience on how it is to be at, in a championship building. So I went to that game. They lose by 30. I'm like, oh, wow, this is an amazing atmosphere. This is what I'm going to expect you know, when I get to the championship games. So then I go back and say bye to Lamar. And then I see Phil Jackson and I say, hey, uh, where's Kobe? I want to say good game. You know, I'm a big fan. I also interviewed Kobe uh, that year also. Well, I did an interview with Kobe and so I'm a fan, and then he was in a shower. I wanted to leave, and then Brian Shaw said he's in the back, and I went to the back, and I just said, hey, tapped him on the shoulder. He was just, like, kind of mad, and they just lost. And he was real surprised to see me in the shower. And, um, and I just said, I got to go, but I wanted to say good game before I got out because, I mean, I'm really, you know, I'm really uh, proud of you. You did a good job, you know, and that was it. It wasn't really uh, saying I wanted to play with you. Okay. I, was, I was with the Kings at that time. So, you know. <laughs> How long did you wear your jersey after the Lakers won the title? 
Full well, full uniform. How long did you keep it on? Well, I think I kept a lot of it on for a couple of days. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I took off my, I had my shirt on, and then I, 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 I had my windbreakers on. I still had my ankles taped. Not my ankles. They go to a club, so I did go to the club like maybe four or five clubs that night. Um, went to the studio. Dr. Dre recorded me. It was crazy. It was just a crazy night, man. <laughs> wait, wait. You're with Dr. Dre? Yeah, was just, I, I was just all over the place in L.A. I went to the studio, and, Dr., and my record, Champions, came out. So Dr. Dre actually produced um, Champions Part 2, which I never put out. Still <laughs> 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 somewhere in his hard drive. I love that. But, and then you wore 37 for a little while. Yeah, and, I wore 37, yeah. Yeah, but was that actually... I, and I, once again, you probably have told these stories so many times. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I just like to get fact and fiction here that Michael Jackson's thriller was number one on billboard charts for 37 straight weeks. And that's how you chose 37. Yeah, definitely. You know, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was trying to figure out, it was like a lot of things. I'm like, what's great. Like, what can you do? That's great. That's like amazing. And I was, I, I was, I was trying to put numbers to greatness and, I'm like, wow, that's pretty great. 37 weeks at number one. Wow, that's huge. And okay, and why why were you drinking Hennessy at halftime of a game? If that's true, when you were with the Bulls, is that true that you drank Hennessy at halftime? That was a blur. I don't do things like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, Hennessy, come on. You're when I was a younger player, I was just. I, as y'all know, as y'all know, I was a reckless. As you know, I was a reckless kid. Yeah, a little bit, Bob. But I, I love your honesty. You know, every time I talk to you, I just, I, I, you know, the the fact that you sold your championship ring and you donated the proceeds from that. I mean, there just, there's a lot of greatness in your heart there, and and I, and I hope you're at a good spot in your life and what you're doing with X versus X Sports. You know, I, I hope things are good for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, definitely, man. I appreciate it. You know, uh, every you know athletes go through things, and is is it was the same back then. You know, athlete is always trying to figure out what they're going to do, and then it's, gonna, it's the same in the future. So right now, it's just important that we at least could be some, a support system for any athletes that potentially could be you know feeling a certain way and. Now I think they know they have huge support systems. But you were one of the first that did this, though, Meta. You came out and you talked about mental health. Uh, you know, we've seen some of these athletes, uh, Michael Phelps, Kevin Love. You you came out and started talking about this. And, you know, people can look at you two different ways. Like, that guy's crazy or that guy, you know, the first sign of being needing help or asking for help is being honest with people. And, and I viewed it as you're just saying, look, I need help. I'm figuring this out myself. Don't look at me as, well, that's the crazy guy who started the uh, malice in the palace there. I, I mean, there was honesty there and, and you put, put yeah. yourself out there. Absolutely. Why not? You know, uh, why not? It's, it's a lot. Cause you know, in this world, we try to put on the image. If you're an athlete, you're trying to get endorsements, you know, you're going to put on the image accordingly right and you know, the image is not always reality right so sometimes you have to show the real the, 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 rea the reality and the realness and people can relate and some people need something to relate to 
You know, because when you look on the commercials, that's just not all real, yeah. right, all the time. <laughs> With the exception of, you know, you have a really great family and, every you know, orange juice in the morning. <laughs> sometimes, you know, you have a little, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes you have an argument at night, right? <laughs> it's a little different than how you grew up in New York, right? Yeah, it's a little, a little different. But now I have orange juice in the morning, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The uh, the book is No Malice. It's My Life in Basketball, uh, X versus X Sports. It's a platform bringing together sports professionals, players, enthusiasts, and uh, online, offline sports community. You got a basketball hoop at the house? I had to build one, man, you know, because I, I just thought I can go play basketball in March 11th when, you know, the quarantine kind of was set. I ordered a hoop off, uh, off a website. <laughs> and, um, uh, I don't want to give this website any more pub than it's already getting <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> hey, uh, Steph Curry did the same thing. Steph Curry moved into a house that didn't have a hoop, Meta. I know. I was surprised to see that. I'm like, I know I don't have a hoop, but Steph, that's that's that's. that's <laughs> That's unacceptable. But, but you know, you know what I'm thinking. He's so good as a shooter. He doesn't yeah. need to practice. No, it's true. It's true. He's probably yeah. The rim is waiting for him. You know what? <laughs> and it was the hardest thing putting together the bottom of him. the worst. I was so frustrated. I was mad in my backyard, screaming at myself. What's going on? <laughs> it was the most frustrating thing. I'm sweating bullets. Oh, that's great. I got it together. It was great. You got to pay people to put that stuff together for you. I, but, you know, uh, I'm going to be locked down for a month. I need to learn something. I might have to take a trade. <laughs> I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> when the quarantine happened, I said, okay, I got to take a trade. That's great. So hey, gotta- uh, great to talk to you. Always great. We appreciate your time and, uh, and good luck with uh, X versus X and, of course, the book that's available wherever books are sold. Thanks, man. All right. That's uh, Meta World Peace. Always one of our favorites. Oh, he's just honest. He's raw, man. I love that. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Man, I get sidetracked on this show and sometimes three hours just isn't enough time. Every day I come in and I go, I don't know if we can fill up three hours. And then we get close to being done and I go, I I didn't even get to the Kevin Durant story today. There's a chance that he'll be coming back, that he'll be healthy. Um, You know, they're a playoff team. He comes back. Um, Yeah, sure, I guess. I don't know. I, I just I never wanted him to be forced back or feel like he was being forced back to play like, you know, with Golden State. And maybe he made that decision on his own. But, you know, when the owner came out during the playoffs and said, yeah, you know, we expect him back, expecting back and hoping to have somebody back is completely different. Got a winner on uh, Fritzy's scoreboard. Joel in Oregon is the big winner today. Fritzy's numbers 20 and 88. Have a seat and you look glazed. I'm going to go 20. Kerry Wood struck out 20 Houston Astros. You look glazed. 88. 88. Donut reference? Doing donuts. Todd, you got to turn on your mic. Todd. Hey, can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah, when you turn on your mic. <laughs> does, does that help when the mic is on? Yes, it does. Uh, there is a donut reference to. Is this uh, somebody yeah. winning a race doing donuts? 
No. Oh. But it is something that happened in 1988, thus the 88. Okay, glazed. It's fun. Think of what, what would be a donut reference in a the shutout? history of sports. A shutout? Ofer? Uttered by a, a frustrated coach in the National Hockey League. Oh, have another donut. 1988 Donut Gate, New Jersey Devils coach Jim Schoenfeld. <laughs> it was not Donut. It's not Donut Gate. Not everything's gate. How would not anyone guess that based off just the number 88? Just stare, look at number 88. That's a tough one. The first one was easy, carried with the 20 strikeouts, and the second one was tougher. But he did say, eat another donut, you fat pig, and got suspended. And here's how it sounded. Is that yeah. Don Koharski? <laughs> sure was. Is that it? Oh, my God. He got ripped by Schoenfeld. And, uh, oh, very yeah. Very entertaining. Oh, yeah. All right, so that uh, that's Fritzy's uh, scoreboard challenge there. Uh, Mary in Missouri. Hi, Mary. Thanks for holding. What do you have for me? Hi, guys. This is a real pleasure. Well, thank you. First time a really, 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 really long time. I'm 5'3", 120, and I saw the Beatles. August 28, 1966, at Dodger Stadium. Nice. Do you remember any? Could you hear? I'm sure all of the girls were screaming. Could not hear them. You didn't hear the Beatles? I couldn't hear them. They were on <laughs> second base. They ran out from the dugout, and they had the band set up on second base. And all you could hear was screaming and girls being carried out left and right. <laughs> It was wonderful, though. I oh. remember like it was yesterday. I was 13 years old. Oh. $5.50. Good for you. Thank you, Mary, for sharing that. Yeah, I never got to see the Beatles. Um, I've been fortunate to have seen most. I never saw Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. I saw Crosby, Stills, Nash. But I didn't get to see Neil Young with them. I was, I, and I love that band together. Uh, MJ in Indiana joins us. Hey, MJ, what do you have for me today? DP, what a great show today, my man. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right. Hey, just want to jump in on the Beatles thing. Uh, first of all, uh, whichever one of the Danettes clapped and, and chanted overrated, they should be banned from the trigger lunch on Friday for sure. Wow. Um, the Beatles are definitely the best of all time. Want to turn you on to, and you may remember, George Harrison album, late 70s, early 80s, 33 and a third. Remember that one? Fantastic album. If not, Google it up. You'll go, wow, that's vintage George Harrison. All right. Well, thank you, MJ. Yeah, I, it's McLovin who's got a problem with the Beatles. That's what it comes down to. Wait, Chat Row is killing me all show, Dan. Help me out here. They're, they're mean. How can I help you out? I, I can only pray for you that you will find the light and it will be the Beatles and you'll listen to it. I mean, okay. I, that you're in my prayers to actually find good music. I, I pray yeah. for you at night. I Everyone's get down on out. my knees and I yeah. say, and dear Jesus, help McLovin listen to good music. Yes, McLovin. People are killing me for saying hold, hold my hand is the whole genre. They're just killing me. I never said that. No, you said that. You always go, oh, I can't believe you. you they did hold my hand, you know, and it's just so poppy. I go, but they started with that. They ended with this intricate stuff. Crazy. The Stones started with Paint It Black. That was their first song. Well, the Stones are great. They're the greatest rock and roll band of all time. Plus, they were just copying songs from other people anyway, so it was yeah. a lot easier for them. Yeah. 
specifically the Beatles, to be honest. <laughs> it's a lot easier for them to re-record other people's songs. So, uh, final results of the poll. Oh, this day in sports history, what do you have for me? Babe Ruth, nineteen fifteen, got his first overrated his first major league home run while playing completely hungover for the Boston Red Sox. He also won his pitching debut the same day. I made up the hungover thing. Nineteen forty six, New York Yankees became the first major league ball club to fly by plane between games. 1995, this is ironic, ESPN Classics started on ESPN. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when that started. And it was a big deal at the time. It's like, oh, we get to watch the classics. And then they stopped. I think it's still listed on on some channels where it'll be ESPN Classic. Uh, Fritzy, what did you learn on today's program? I learned Paul Feinbaum says he doesn't see college football being played without fans and without students back on campus. All right. We'll talk to Iowa head coach Kurt Ferentz tomorrow on the program about that. McLovin. I learned that both Todd and Paul missed it's the 18-year anniversary of Allen Iverson's practice rant. Oh, practice. that's a good one. Oh, Fritzy. That would have been practice? That, that would have been a good. You could have put three up there. Could have put three up there, yeah. Yeah, scoreboard. I still like my put, donut one. He would have put like the number 47 up there. Yeah, that would have been like, this <laughs> was said 47 times in the year. No, you're right. What? He would have done. How many that times did he say practice that day? That yeah. would have been good. Yeah, thank you. They played that enough. Thank you, Todd. Seaton, what'd you learn today? <laughs> I learned the uh, Beatles are still king. Yeah. Never get tired of talking Beatles. Yeah. But did you learn that? You already knew that. I guess. You relearned it? Yeah, well, you know, you can you can be reinforced. You yeah, can reinforced. Re- yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Paulie, what'd you learn today? Paul Feinbaum, big uh, Neil Young fan. Yeah, he said that uh, Neil was always depressing, and that fit Paul's mood when he was in college at the time. Todd, what did I learn today? You're all in on Paulie's idea to celebrate Sace DeMaio. Yes, I'm going to kill it tonight. You should. <laughs> this Mother's Day, 1-800-Flowers has limited delivery, so it's important to lock in your order today. Right now, 1-800-Flowers, beautiful Mother's Day gifts and bouquets. To order, go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio icon, enter code PATRICK. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Talk to you tomorrow.